What's the end game? Yeah. Is honestly to do less harm, right? Bitcoin doesn't actually need politicians to make it succeed. It will succeed on its own merits. What would be helpful is to not have people actively attacking it and, and elongating the inevitable collapse of their own currencies, but also rise of Bitcoin as a global reserve currency. Hello there. How are you all doing? Welcome to the What Bitcoin Did podcast, which is brought to you by Gemini, the only place I am using for buying Bitcoin. I'm your host, Peter McCormack. And before we get into the interview today, I have a quick message from my show sponsors. This show is brought to you by Gemini, who I am using exclusively for buying and selling Bitcoin. And even though they've been with me for a year, I have not sold a single sat with Gemini. I'm only buying. I'm a hodler. But I have been buying Bitcoin with them. Not only have I been buying the dips through Gemini, but I also set up my DCA with twice monthly buys of Bitcoin, and I'm yet to see a better or easier interface for buying Bitcoin. With a streamlined trading view, you have access to all the tools you need to understand Bitcoin and start investing, all through one clear, attractive interface. And Gemini are now running a special offer for listeners of what Bitcoin did. All you need to do is head over to Gemini.com forward slash WBD and new customers will get $20 in Bitcoin when they trade $100 or more on Gemini. If you want to find out more, please head over to Gemini.com forward slash WBD, which is G-E-M-I-N-I.com forward slash WBD. Next up, it's Level. Now, as the world migrates from traditional walled garden financial rails to Bitcoin, Level has rebuilt its Bitcoin trading app to become the first full suite Bitcoin banking app. The Bitcoin revolution isn't just about investing dollars, it's about replacing them. So, while other apps help you to buy Bitcoin, the Level app lets you use your Bitcoin for daily life. You can get paid in Bitcoin, you can spend Bitcoin anywhere, and you can even earn Bitcoin rewards. All of this is alongside a traditional fiat account, so you can manage your Bitcoin alongside your traditional currencies. Now, Level are reserving 500 beta slots for WBD listeners ready to go all in and bank in Bitcoin. If you want to find out more, head over to level.co forward slash WBD, which is lvl.co forward slash WBD for info and early access. Next up, it's sportsbet.io. The very best place for online gaming because they're badasses and they accept Bitcoin. Now, we are over halfway through the season. Liverpool have just picked up their first trophy. Tottenham are struggling as ever. This season is going as planned. But how's it going to finish? Do you know how it's going to finish? Will Liverpool win the title? Will they snatch it away from City? Who's going to win the league? Who's going to win the Champions League? Who knows? Well, anyway, if you want to take a bet, sportsbet.io has got you covered. And not just with football. They cover tennis, motorsports, US sports. They even cover esports. And for new customers, there's always a range of promotions available. So if you want to find out more, please head over to sportsbet.io forward slash promotions. That is S-P-O-R-T-S-B-E-T dot I-O forward slash promotions. Also today, we have Compass Mining. And they are not just a sponsor. I am a customer of Compass Mining. I am mining with Compass Mining. Now, I've been doing this for about... Wow, what is it, like four months now? And I've mined over half a Bitcoin with them. It's pretty cool. It's very cool, actually. I love the fact that I'm back mining. And I also love the way Compass does this. They've made mining accessible to everyone. And as a Bitcoiner, I'm happy to be supporting the decentralized growth of the hash rate. It was so easy to get onboarded. And now anyone can mine Bitcoin. You just pick your machines, choose your hosting facility, and they do all the rest of the work for you. Now, if you are interested in mining 
Or if you want to find out more, then please head over to compassmining.io. That is C-O-M-P-A-S-S-M-I-N-I-N-G dot I-O. How you doing, man? Doing good, Peter. Good to be here. Yeah, good to have you. It's uh, long overdue. Yeah, it's been a while. Where, where did we meet? It wasn't Wyoming, was it? It's either Wyoming or here. It might have been actually Wyoming. When we had our daily steak. Yeah, like in bacon, table bacon. That fucking bacon. Yeah. Uh, 2018, 2019. Yeah. That twice a day ribeye <laughs> in Wyoming. Yeah. Uh, it was great to meet you, man. You're, um, you're a quiet Bitcoiner. Quieter. Quieter. Bitcoiner. Not famous. No. You're, uh, you're behind the scenes. But uh, uh, it's always been good to talk to you. And I wanted to do this a while, get you on the show. Yeah. Expose you to everyone who listens to the show and your way of thinking. Um, especially as you're a, a red state man. Yes. I either hang out with you in Wyoming or I hang out with you here in Texas. Mm-hmm. And uh, We're going to convert you eventually. Hey, listen, look, if my life circumstances were different, Either I would live here or I'd definitely live part of my life here. Yeah. I mean, I would establish the studio here, but it's, you know, the whole challenge of children. Uh, I think my kids would love it, but it's a, it's a complicated thing. But I, I love it here. Yeah. It's just like Bedford. It's just like Bedford. It's I don't just, know. I just watched that soccer match. Well, like. if, you, if you take away, if you get the guns, the freedom, the steak, the big outdoors, the ranches, the sunshine, the sunshine. It's pretty much Bedford. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know, the one that. thing I've noticed, you know, with my friends in Germany, uh, UK, even if they're more conservative, right-leaning Europeans, is none of them get guns. I am a right-leaning, right, right of center uh, conservative in the UK. Yeah. Here, I'm woke, left, oh, libtard. Yeah. Communist. <laughs> yeah. Fucking communist. <laughs> I love it here, man. I love it here. I've been coming here now uh, since I got into the podcast. Yeah. Uh, I came here, it's about four years ago, interviewed Lynn Albrick, about four, four, no, it's about four and a half years ago. Uh, first time I ever came here. Uh, mm-hmm. It was on, it was on Ross's birthday, actually. Oh, really? Or it was her birthday, because they're a day apart. I can't remember which is which. Um, and uh, it's like... 10th interview and fell in love with the place. Yeah. Like, this is the place for me. Uh, so what I What do you like about it, though? Um, that's a good question. There's a lot. Um, I don't like the barbecue. I think it's massively overrated. It's basically a pile of sweaty meat that I'm just leaving. tastes. I cannot listen to this. But, but, but no, no, I can give you one back. But it has the best steaks in the world. Yeah. Good steak houses. Steaks are great. And I'm like, why do you want barbecue when you can have a steak? The barbecue is like meh, but the steaks are amazing. But but so the food is great. A a average steak in Texas is the best steak you get in the UK. Yeah, and the best steak you get here is the best in the world. Oh yeah, Dallas in particular steakhouses. Actually, I've been to one in Dallas. I can't remember the name. It began with an M. Albernays, Bob's, or is it Nick and Sam's? Or Nick, that, yeah. Nick and Sam's is Dallas. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's and, incredible. Yeah. Yeah. Like the guy at that place the other night, yeah. he's pissed at me for keep saying that. Yeah. But we should we should, we should give him a shout out because we've been to how many times have we been to Three Forks? At least four times this trip. Yeah, Bitcoiners, good men. Yeah, great steaks, great steaks. Yeah, great steaks. Although we we know the we know the the off menu stuff. He keeps telling us we know it now. Man. <laughs> Brings out that bone in fillet. Um, so I like that. Um, I like the. 
people, like the friends here. Yeah. I always know if I come here, there's like 20, 25 people I can call up and go for a beer. Mm -hmm. In some ways, more than I have in Bedford now because Bitcoin gives you that wide tent of people. Sure. Uh, what I like most of all about Austin is that Austin still has a progressive side to it. Sure. But it's got that shield of conservatism that kind of reigns it in that's yeah. just around it. Yeah, it's the blue city, red state sort of vibe. It's very, it's very interesting. Austin's not like, it's not even like when San Francisco was a blue city and a red state in California. Like Austin's progressive left side was always a little bit different. Yeah. Um, it's like, I don't, I don't know how to describe it. Like the, the keep Austin weird, you know, it might be a, uh, you know, chamber of commerce, you know, marketing ploy, but it is pretty true. Um, at least, you know, I grew up here, you know, 1983 born here. And, um, that, that progressive side of Austin was always more like, you know, I could have a regular job, but I'm also a juggler, you know, it's just weird people, you know? <laughs> um, and there's something about like the, the vibe in Austin because of that. Yeah. But, but it's not because of leftist politics. I don't think. Uh, I would say, uh, Austin definitely has a progressive side to it. Oh, sure. And and that's cool. And what I would say about a lot of the people who say, I love Texas because it's conservative, all the people who tell me that still live in Austin. <laughs> so they live it they live in the, yeah. the, the the democratic part of Texas. Yes. And I don't I think they underappreciate what the benefits that bring, brings. I think anywhere that is too left or anywhere that's too right, it doesn't work. And mm -hmm. I think this for me, Austin's got it as best, probably best. Better than anyone in the, in the U.S. Like I if think I so too. if I could live in one place, the first place I'd choose is here. If it had a beach, it'd be the best in the world. We got the lakes yeah, and the, the rivers, but I like that. Um, uh, I, there is a definite sense of freedom here, mm -hmm. which is interesting. Everyone kind of leaves you the fuck alone. Yep. But if you want to go party, you can go party. Yep. Uh, we sat in a we sat in cool bars. We sat in a cool bar last night and watched the St. Peter's March Madness game. Oh, my God. You following that story? Incredible. I mean, First 15 seed ever, Elite Eight. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, I'm going to talk about it like I know about it. I learned it all last night. Oh, really? And I've struggled to get into basketball. Um, I don't like high-scoring sports. I like low-scoring sports like football, our football, or even your football. That's a weird preference to have. Well, because it's because it's hard to score. So yeah. when it happens, it's like, wow, like one goal. Yeah, and the like, elation oh, yeah. that comes with in the build-up and the anticipation. Whereas basketball, it's like, they score so many. But <laughs> but so I never truly got it. I'd been to games. I've been to see the Lakers. I've been to see the Knicks. And I just never really got it. And then I watched the Jordan documentary. And yep. I was like, okay, I understand the game a bit more uh, now. But last night, watching that game, like that, like I was figuring out, wasn't I? Jeremy will tell you. I was like figuring out the game as it happened mm -hmm. and the strategy. And I was literally jumping around every basket. I mean, I wanted them to win just because of yeah. the story. Yeah. And also at St. Peter's. So obviously, I wanted them to win. Yeah. But I, I wanted them to win because of the story. But I, I understood the momentum of the game. I started to realize which players they were bringing on at which point and mm -hmm. why. Uh, Defensive schemes. Yeah. And, yeah. Yeah. Like the set plays in basketball. I mean, every time they're, they're going up and down the court, they have a plan. Yeah. It, it, it's not immediately obvious uh to like a casual viewer that like it's it's very strategic also what's interesting about it is it's a lot faster than the nba yep and i th i think it's more enjoyable because of that and i think that's why i sometimes prefer college football because it's faster and they make more mistakes they make more mistakes yeah. yeah 
But what I noticed is how much instruction was coming from the coach as they were going up. Yep. You don't notice that as much in the NBA. I think they know what they're doing more. College coaches are psychos. Yeah. They're screaming for 40 minutes, like top of their lungs, red-faced. You think about the guy who just retired at Duke, Coach K. He's been doing it for 40 years every day, screaming at the top of his lungs, freaking out on 18-year-olds. Yeah. <laughs> it's a weird game. They're a small team as well. St. Peter's? Yeah, like in terms of like the, oh, the size yeah, yeah. of the players. That- well, okay, so we were talking before this about, um, you know, how, you know, Major League Baseball is broken because uh, there's no relegation, and so it's profitable to lose. Like the only thing we have that looks kind of like that is college basketball, where you have all these tiny teams, like, in physical stature and in terms of the uh, you know size of the school, they get to play at the highest level and get a shot. And this one is particularly interesting. Why why do you think they they've managed to do it? What what's special about them? From your side, if somebody understands this, it's uh I, I mean I'm not an expert on this, but it's like uh, some formation of the NCA rules that allow like it's a designation. No no of no. What, no why why do you think they're doing well? This team? Why do you? Oh think, yeah. Oh, I have no idea. Like it's it's just random chaos and, and they call it March Madness, right? It's just it's just anyone can win a basketball game. It's five players, right? One guy gets hot, you can win a game. But going back, like yeah. uh, Austin, yeah. Well, so one of the things I noticed when going back home, because uh, I think one of the things that's sometimes hard for people to understand when with the podcast or even with my Twitter is uh, some of the opinions I ha- or some of the ways I look at things. Whereas I understand a lot more about, say, people in Texas and Austin because I spend time sure. there. They haven't lived in Europe and Bedford and spent time there understanding things. But what I've come, come to appreciate here is there is a lot more questioning of things here. Yeah. Whereas we don't get that back home. So I do the Scott Horton interview. For me, it's a chance to question sure. what's happening in Ukraine, Russia. And a lot of people understand why I've done it. They may agree or disagree. But from back home, there's British, one guy specifically, a British guy tweeted uh, about, uh, can you remember what he said? No, I'm not the sure. The ugly games. That, he just tweeted out saying, um, look at these Bitcoiners, they support fringe conspiracy, crazy psychopaths or something. Like, yeah. And I'm seen here as, as a lefty, and at home I'm seen as a crazy right guy. Yeah. And it's just, so it's just a different experience. I feel like here it's, you can have a more, you and I are going to have a way different conversation from my best friend when I go home. Sure. It's a way different conversation. So I just, I just like that. And I, there's a lot to like here, but I like all the US. Like I still like New York. Sure. I still like LA. I lived there for nine years. Yeah. San Francisco, I'm really struggling with, but I, but I like all of the US and I like the mix. And I think, like I said, I think you've got it right here. You can live in a progressive city. But you've got that rapper that stops you going too far, and I just think it's great. I mean, look, you. Why do you love it here? You moved here. I mean, part of it's just that I grew up here, right? But it's. Oh, uh, I didn't know that. Yeah, I, I was born here, oh. uh, grew up here. Um, you know, uh, it's kind of an idyllic place to grow up. Honestly, like, um, it's safe. Uh, you have the University of Texas here, and um, you have a a lot of, you know, interesting. Interesting people, right? It's a highly educated, safe place to grow up, right? But at the same time, it is uh, it is kind of a cool place. So if you're into music, well, there are music festivals and there are pe- people tour here, right? Um, you're really close to Houston and Dallas. You can get out there to, you know, for the big city life, although that's kind of Austin now. Mm-hmm. It was kind of an idyllic place to grow up. But like 
for me, more than anything, it's that Austin has like a a very Texas vibe in terms of like the independent spirit, right? Almost everyone I knew growing up's parents worked for themselves. They had their own businesses. It could have been a restaurant, you know, uh, business. My dad was a had his own software consultancy business. Like no one seemed to have real jobs. Everyone was independent. Um, at some point, I don't know if this is still true. Even Austin had the highest proportion of independent restaurants of any metropolitan city in the United States. It was all local, right? Austin had its own personality because it wasn't all chain stores, chain restaurants. And, uh, but it also wasn't particularly wealthy when I was growing up, Okay, you know, pre Dell, right? Um, there are no major huge corporations here. Um, so all that independent vibe, we were just working for people in Dallas or, or, you know, consulting for them, stuff like that. But that independent, sort of nature of the people, at least I was around in Austin, definitely got into my my blood, right? And I think actually helped me with Bitcoin later. In fact, it's almost hard for me, like when you tell your story, it's like, how did anyone in Europe value Bitcoin if you don't have the same sort of independent or questioning values that you might find in Texas, right? Well, I think it's, it's completely different reasons. And I think this yeah. is the reason why Bitcoin has taken off in the US mm -hmm. and hasn't really in Europe. You've, yeah. you've got fringe people, but I think a lot of people first got in for the gains. Yeah. And I think it's only I think it's only right now that people would maybe really start to question it outside. Look, we have libertarians in Europe. Sure. And we have conservatives in Europe, but we don't have they're not prominent though. No. Well, they're not even necessarily well respected. And it's a different the it's a different style of conservatism as well yeah. in Europe. But now, suffering high inflation, weirdness from our governments, I think people mm -hmm. are starting to question it. But it's definitely different. You know, you come for the gains, you stay for the whatever you choose to stay for. Yeah. Um, and I put, it puts us at a disadvantage. Yeah. And there isn't really a significant European Bitcoin scene. There is a European Bitcoin scene, but not significant. We have pockets of people or ideas and some companies, but we don't. Like here in Austin and Texas, it feels like it's becoming what our mutual friend Parker Lewis wants. It's yeah. become the Bitcoin the, capital, the Bitcoin capital of the world. Yeah, because it, I, I can't even put my finger on it. You could probably do it better than me because you're from here. But it just—I've said it before on the show, and people cringe. But it just feels like a very American idea, Bitcoin, and especially a Texas idea. Well, it's very optimistic, right? Yeah, I don't think it's an accident that it's here in Austin. Um, you know, Austin has a pretty long history in the Bitcoin world, you know, going all the way back to, you know, I'm only aware of it from 2011 and forward, but, you know, the early ASIC miners, you know, Cointera, like the first people shipping out uh, machines based here in Austin. A lot of the early mining stuff on um, on GPUs was here in, uh, in Austin, also in Florida, obviously. Um, but also, you know, you had uh, the sort of the, I don't know, I would credit, you know, uh, Pierre Richard, Michael Goldstein, Dana Krawitz, the Satoshi Nakamoto Institute guys, they're at University of Texas, and they really popularize the um, the Austrian view of Bitcoin and, and and treating Bitcoin less as a technology and more as money. And you know, I I could be getting my dates off here a little bit, but that 2013, 2014, 2015, like that narrative wasn't really the predominant narrative in Bitcoin at that time until they popularized it. And that started here. I give them a huge amount of credit. And they brought a lot of attention to Austin because of it. Um, but also, like, 
there was, you know, I say it wasn't accidental. Uh, you know, there's the character of Austin that we talked about before, but it's also that those of us that were participating here from, you know, early days all the way up to now, it was like pretty heavy curation, right? Like we made sure that um, we were surrounding ourselves with high integrity people that were in it for the right reasons from our view viewpoint. And uh, it wasn't always easy. Like Austin could also be like the shitcoin capital of the world. You know, it's like, that's where Factum was started. And um, I bought Factum. Did you? Yeah, I bought Factum. Poor man. Back in my, I made money on Factum. Did you? Back in my shitcoin days. I think so. Yeah, good for you, I guess. Uh, yeah. But like, you know, at the time it was like, that was the, you know, those guys were really influential here in Austin. And we, we had to make a decision. There's all these schisms that happened, you know, 2013, 2014, 2015, where we just have to sort of t take our ball and go home and just be like, this is, we don't want to surround ourselves with these people. Yeah. And then we, you know, shrink back down to like 10 people at my house, you know, talking about Bitcoin. And then, you know, Justin Moon comes in starts bit devs and all that. But it was, we were constantly going from, you know, 300 people in a room back down to 20, you know, 300 people in a room back down to 20. Now we're, we're back to 300 people in a room, but it has been like kind of brutal curation to make sure that we could surround ourselves with high integrity people. And you're not going back to 20. No, I don't think so. Not now. I think that's another reason I like it here, actually. That's an interesting point, is that uh, when I come here, I, I get to do my work, whatever, but I get to be a Bitcoiner. When I go yeah. home, I'm not a, I don't get to be a Bitcoiner. So I go back to Bedford. Last time I went out, uh, I went back for the weekend, mm -hmm. went out with my four best friends. Like, thinking back, Bitcoin didn't come up once, right? Yeah. <laughs> we, we we're watching the rugby. We talked about that. We talked about where we're living, like relationships. We talk about all the stuff. Well, sports. that's good. It doesn't all have to be Bitcoin all yeah, the time. But what I'm saying is, the only time Bitcoin comes up is if my kids ask me anything. It just it there's no scene, or maybe if I'm at the club doing yeah. the football thing. But it doesn't come up. It's it's just not a thing. I I don't have a Bitcoin community. Not only not in Bedford in England. Mm -hmm. I just don't have it. Yeah, that's weird. Yeah, whereas I come here and I'm like, cool, I'm going to see Parker, I'm going to see Will, I'm mm -hmm. going to see Justin, I'm going to see Marty, I'm going to see a bunch of people, and we're going to go out to dinner. And by the way, we're not all going to just discuss Bitcoin, we'll discuss other things. Of course. You, you yeah. and I have had long conversations about um, what happened in Ireland. In, yeah. uh, you know, We talk about other things. Rock, paper, scissors. Rock, paper, scissors. Oh, we should bring that up. Yeah, at some point. Yeah, at some point. That's my biggest claim to fame now. Um, but But what I'm saying is I get to like, get into the weeds and challenge myself on some of my ideas. And they have to be challenged because I come from a very different world and very different perspectives. And I get to come here and have that challenge. That's another reason I like it here. And yeah. I, I, I do see, I, I see a world where I end up owning a property here. I yeah. do see that. But you know, that dynamic that you're talking about, that's intelligent design in Austin. It didn't just sporadically happen. And there's a lot of people over a long time, Parker's put it on steroids now. Yeah. You know, like he's really, you know, uh, driven this home, but you know, it's been around for a long time, you know, and I give most of the credit to, to Pierre and Michael for like setting the tone in, in Austin. Then Pierre had to take off to New York. Everyone does that in their twenties at some point, but he's back here now. And like, you know, we actively recruit people. Like we shame people for not living here. You know, we, I, uh, we, we give them tours of the city. We buy them cowboy boots. We, we woo them. Right. Because, I don't know. I, everyone talks about Bitcoin citadels and you know all this. It's like, well, we're you know we're not on a pastoral ranch in Wyoming right now, but we have curated this our our own community of people to to be to surround ourselves with, right? And it's very 
purposeful. And another interesting thing here is uh, on the regulatory side. Yes. On the political side. Yeah. There's, it feels like there's almost universal buy-in. And you might tell me something different that I don't know. Yeah. But it does feel like there's a real understanding of why Bitcoin is important, why it's good for Texas. Mm-hmm. And uh, got to meet Governor Abbott, which was fascinating. That's awesome. Um, I've observed te- Senator Cruz from a distance. Mm-hmm. I know he's not popular with everyone, but he certainly speaks about Bitcoin in an sure. intelligent way. And that's a really important protection. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I think in Texas, we have, uh, we have a, a winning strategy for that. I mean, politicians are politicians, right? Like, they want to get elected. They want to... Being pro-Bitcoin right now is a popular thing to do. You you get attention. We'll you take get, it. Yeah, you get media, you get all those things. But there's something very real in Texas, I mean, where we're dominating everyone, which is the mining sector, right? The, the deregulated grid, the independent grid. Texas has a different yep. you know, grid than the rest of the United States. And... Um, you know, I, I like uh, the way Griffin Haby, you know, out of Houston talks about this. It's just, just like you have all these wildcatter mentalities here that are used to, you know, making huge bets on desert land and poking holes in it, right? And uh, you have this risk-taking mentality, and those people see the value of Bitcoin mining in Texas, and they're a, they're a real political group. You know, that's how people get elected in Texas is around the energy conversation. And Bitcoin's becoming a central point of the energy conversation uh, for our grid, for the profitability of some of these huge companies that Texan jobs rely on, what's happening out in Rockdale. Like, there's a reason politicians are doing it. And it's not just because of Twitter. It's because it's actually reshaping the Texas economy. They can see, they do have a vision for that. And um, so, yeah, I mean, it's it, it's hard to be anti-Bitcoin and be a Texas politician at this point. Well, that energy side itself is super fascinating. We had Sean Connell. Connell, yeah. Mm-hmm. Do you know Sean? Yeah. We had, a, we had him on the show the other day, talked to him about it. Uh, he told me a bunch of things that I didn't understand about. I'm still learning, yeah. Dude, some of the things he was telling me I just completely didn't understand about the, the grid. Um, uh, but but he came on and explained a bunch of things. And one of the things he said is there was like one day recently where 70% of the energy in, te- was it Texas or Austin? In Austin. In Austin came from renewables, which oh, I, yeah. I didn't know that. There's been a massive investment in renewables here, um, which again, I didn't understand. But he was getting into the details of like how the grid works, how you have to have insurance on the grid, say yeah. if something breaks down, that you've got the insurance energy providers are there to to load into the grid. And he was talking about the role that mining plays in the grid. And it's fucking fascinating because it's you have people like, uh, Senator Warren, who views uh, energy fund as a way to attack Bitcoin, where actually it's, the whole narrative is flipping the complete other way, whereby actually Bitcoin is going to protect the energy sector and protect the grid. Yes. It's like unbelievable. No, it's capitalism, right? Like Warren doesn't get it. It's like you need, like, you don't just get renewable energy for free. You have to invest in it. And so in order to invest in it, it needs to be profitable. In order for it to be profitable, it has to be integrated into the grid that we have now. And you need demand in order to build the supply of it. Texas is very unique in that we have this like corridor, you know, up up there, you know, in the panhandle and everything where we get wind and solar. Like we're the only place where you have everything. You have the natural gas, you have wind, you have solar. You can you can really make a play where 70% of the energy comes from that. Now, it's not sufficient. You know, you need, you know, on-demand energy like natural gas and, and uh, hydrocarbons in order to actually 
actually stabilize the grid. But at any given time, we could, in theory, have 70% of the grid going renewables. I think you can go higher. We talked about it with them. Yeah. Oh, no. I mean, they, they could, I mean, they should be overbuilding it to 200, 300% capacity. I mean, the way these guys talked last week at our event at the Bitcoin Commons, it blew my mind. You know, we might have, what was it, 70 um, um, gigawatts of uh, energy used uh, or built out in uh, in Texas on the Texas grid right now. And they're talking about building out 10 gigawatts just for mining in Texas <laughs> over the next, you know, five, seven years. So is uh, Texas going to become the new China of Bitcoin mining? It is. I mean, all the Chinese miners are coming I here. I know, I know. All of them. Uh, and part of it's just because we already had good infrastructure set up. I mean, they'll end up going to places like Wyoming as well, but Wyoming doesn't have the infrastructure. If you if you need 300 megawatts tomorrow, like you can't do that in Wyoming. You can do that here. It's a, it's becoming a real base for Bitcoin companies and Bitcoiners to come in now, yeah. um, which, which is surprising that other states haven't recognized what is happening here. Yeah, I, th I think people are starting to catch on, right? Um, yeah, Janet Yellen. All right, it was a bit of a shitcoiny statement. It yeah. was cryptocurrency, not Bitcoin. But for, to see her shift? I don't know if I trust that. Oh, I don't trust any of them. Yeah, yeah. I know everything is self-interest. Yeah. Right? But Bitcoin is the one of the ultimate self-interest tools. Sure. So fuck it, we'll take it. But yeah, like what you said in politics, it's, it's almost becoming untenable to be anti-Bitcoin. Like, you know, Warren's going to do Warren things and she can have fun with that. But like Western Democrats, energy producing states, like they're going to want this too. I mean, this is real jobs. We, uh, I'm not sure if you saw the um, the presentation the guy did from uh, the campus up in Rockdale, the old Alcoa plant. Um, uh, when was this? Was this? This was on Friday. Oh, yeah, no, no, I was, you, I was you Were you there? Yes, I was, but I missed that. Okay, yeah. So he was talking about, you know, this is going to be 400 jobs uh, in the next year uh, for this, uh, data, you know, uh, for the Bitcoin mine. It's like four different data centers. They're doing everything from like air cooling to submersion, all this, but it's 400 jobs. And they're not low paying jobs. They're Close really not. good jobs. And like that's what motivates politicians. And if you think like politicians in Nevada aren't going to catch on to that and they have energy to spare. Um, of course they're going to. It's a, it, and again, if you think about game theory of Bitcoin and you want Bitcoin to be a success, the most important country in the world to accept it and adopt it is the US because a lot of countries follow lead. Yeah, it's, it's very counterintuitive though, right? Because, you know, we kind of had the best money for a long time, you know, uh, but yet we're the most motivated to replace that. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, I mean, it depends where you talk about where the motivation comes from. I, I, I'm a firm believer in that the we're in a we're in a transitional shift between uh, America and China, which yeah. is being fought on a currency front, sure, and the way America can defend itself as a decentralized nation. Mm -hmm. The republic is decentralized, mm -hmm. is with a decentralized currency. Now it's counterintuitive to uh, politicians who like control. Yeah. But actually, a decentralized currency is what will give this country strength going forward. Yeah, I mean, we have 50 sovereigns that make up the United States. And I think most people don't recognize how important like state sovereignty in the United States is. Like when, when we met in Wyoming, we, yeah. were, we were passing all those bills, uh, the Wyoming Blockchain Task Force. Um, you know, when we'd start drafting these, and when Chris Land's writing them, uh, 
we would uh, have conversations with the federal entities, you know, with FinCEN, uh, with the FDIC, and they'd all try to scare us. They'd be like, oh, you don't want to do that. You know, just slow down a little bit, you know, wait two years. We haven't figured out what we're going to do yet. And I give Tyler Lindholm a lot of credit. He just said, fuck it, we're doing it. Um, he didn't wait for anyone. He didn't wait for the, you know, blockchain association or, you know, coin whatever. They just did it on their own. And then once we did, all those same people came back and we're like, good luck. You got two years, everyone's going to copy you. And we're like, oh, you're not mad? And they're like, how could we be mad? You're a fucking state. You can do whatever you want, right? And um, I love Tyler. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, and he did a great job with that. Um, you know, I had very little to do with it. But at the same time, it's like the, the state sovereignty is such a big deal. And of course, you know, states can't print their own money. They're at a disadvantage from other sovereigns because they, they can't print money. But they can take an interest in Bitcoin. Uh, you know, Wyoming, Alaska, New Mexico, they have sovereign wealth funds. They can buy Bitcoin with that. We're trying to get them to, right? Um, and they can, you know, flex their sovereign muscles in the United States, which is difficult to do in other places, right? Especially if you're in the EU and you're on the euro, like, you're in big trouble. <laughs> well, that was one of the, the, the things I'm thankful about with the UK is we didn't. Yeah. At least you had your own money. Yeah, well, we had a referendum and we said no, which which was a, a smart decision. Now we've actually left the EU, which there are arguments for and against. I recognize both. Um, I don't. Well, I don't recognize both. For. Good. Good on them. I, uh, my role is to recognize everyone's opinion. <laughs> allow everyone to have an opinion. <laughs> From the anarcho-capitalists to the communists. I was very, I was very surprised uh, when I was younger visiting the UK. I thought I would find, you know, my 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 Texas brothers in Scotland. Was not the case. No, 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 you won't. Um, it's more Ireland. Yeah. yeah, west coast of Ireland, you'll probably find a little bit more. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, no, you, you won't find that. But we don't have. I think this is the. The, there's a couple of things. It's that just that cultural establishment of the United States. Yeah, yeah. How how it's birthed, but the fact that it's a republic. Yeah. We don't have. God, I piss people off because I talk about this so much. But we don't have the ability to move somewhere else if we don't like the rules. True. Unless we leave the country, but that doesn't really work. People can't just leave the country. You can't just. I mean, you can. Yeah, but, but you can drive to Oklahoma. Yeah. And it's different. Yeah. Yeah. And look, we saw it. How many people left New York for? Miami. How many people left California for Texas? Yeah, we know it happened, mm -hmm. um, but we don't really have that. Like I'm, I'm in Bedford. If I go to Manchester, it's the same. If I go to London, it's the same. It's the same rules, same I set mean, of rules. We had it more in the EU, to be fair. We, yeah. we did. That that is a fair point. But but they try to harmonize the rules across the EU. Mm -hmm. um, you know that. Like and then you have to speak Italian. <laughs> That's true. Yeah. <laughs> Do you know what? Italy is the best place in Europe. Is it? Outside of Bedford, it's the best place. And I've been to like Rome as a tourist. I don't really know. <laughs> I mean, Rome's awesome just because it's like a, it's like a giant museum. Sure. The whole city's a museum, but um, it, it's a great country because they've been very good at maintaining their Italian culture. Yeah. You, you go to somewhere like Florence, you're not going to go for a McDonald's. Sure, sure. You know, you're going to hasn't been Americanized. Hasn't been Americanized. Yeah. yeah. Um, uh, but Danny, Danny does make a good point. But there were things, I mean, I, I, I'm out of my depth here. Danny can probably look this up. But I'm pretty sure that, that, like, a perfect example of what's wrong with the EU was Ireland was giving advantageous tax positions to 
uh, Silicon Valley tech yes. giants. So LinkedIn went there, Facebook went Apple there. Apple was there. Everyone yeah. went there. Uh, but they ended up getting fined. It was something like nine billion. No, no, the companies got fined uh, something like nine billion, or Apple got fined multiple billions. And they, but the fine was to be paid to the Irish government. Yeah. And the Irish government didn't want the fine, even though it's huge, because they wanted to give those tax advantages. Yeah. Now, surely the best thing to do is to allow every single nation to establish its own tax rules. Mm-hmm. So you have competition. That's that would that that's what would make sense. But they didn't allow it. Can you look that up? Yeah, I think that was actually overturned. I think they didn't have to pay in the end. Huh. I mean, I knew about the you know, domiciling. Thirteen billion. Was it Apple? Yeah, Apple. Yeah. But but it was overturned by the looks of it. Okay, interesting. And then Trump passed some law to let them redomicile some of that money to get it back, you know, in the US, like a tax, you know, holiday type thing. Yeah. Huh. So, so the, so the Irish are just allowed to have a different set of tax rules. Well, in it was a 2016 rule that meant they were, Apple had to pay 13 billion, uh, but in 2020 it was overruled. Hmm. It's funny because Ireland could do with that money. <laughs> well, the weirdest thing that happens in Europe, I think, I've told this story, so maybe I'm just wrong on this. Maybe I'm just going to lie to all your listeners here. But my understanding of it is Switzerland, who does have their own currency, um, and guns, and guns. It's all, I, th- I think it's like compulsory to own guns in Finland and Switzerland. That. Yeah. Um, but anyway, they, they do this really weird thing, which is, you know, they have the power of the printing press and a currency that has at least some demand in the world. You know, it's a, it's a decent enough currency. And they print francs and buy U.S. equities for free. <laughs> and I think about this all the time. It, it, you know, when I think about like in games for Bitcoin of like, how do nation states, you know, adopt it and, you know, all these different things. I look at what Switzerland does where they print francs and they're smart enough not to do this in like an egregious fashion of like, you know, take over, you know, a U.S. company or anything. But they own, they own U.S. equities by just printing their own money. And I was thinking that that might be the end game for Bitcoin is one of the big five currencies of someone. Why would you not? Giving it. I mean, it's, it's the last hope. But like when I talk to the people in Wyoming, it's like, well, you're sovereign, but you you can't do that, right? So you have to get in before someone does that, right? Someone explained something to me recently. They said the U.S. has the ability to print oil. What, and, what do you mean by that? And then they can print dollars and buy oil. Yeah, yeah, basically. So they can print oil. Yeah. No, no, no other country can really do that because it was the um, the petrodollar. Yeah. So I was like, huh, yeah. The only other country that was close that could do that would be Russia, but their currency shit. So, well, it's had a resurgence this last week when they came out. They said, uh, "What was it? Um, unfriendly nations now have to buy our natural resources with the ruble." Oh yeah, that's right. That's right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. What a shit show that is. Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, but but going back to like that point of like you know printing francs and buying U.S. equities, you know, the, the end game is someone debases their currency. The, the first one to cheat wins, right, is I think of all the U.S. states right now is I don't think the U.S. is going to be the first to cheat and win. Like they have too much invested in the dollar to do that. So we're going to get caught with our pants down, which means that the states themselves have to protect themselves by using, you know, vehicles like the Permanent Mineral Trust Fund in Wyoming to buy as much Bitcoin as they can right now. Like hmm. it's the only option, I think. We, you know, thinking about all the different sovereigns and how they might take 
on a Bitcoin standard. I think that's basically it. The states themselves here are going to have to buy Bitcoin. What, what, what is the difficulty in them doing? Is there, is there like a regulatory thing? Is there something blocking them? Or is it just like us? When you first hear about Bitcoin, oh, I can't, I'm not going to buy it with real money. Yeah, it's basically that. It's it, too expensive. Most of them have the ability to do this, right? Like, so you have the electeds, you know, you have the governor and the treasurer and, you know, all this. And, you know, vaguely this is under, well, not vaguely, literally this is under the the office of the treasurer, the state treasurer, right? And uh, they're allowed to invest in a lot of things. They they invest in private equity and VC deals. They uh, invest in, in private companies all the time, right? Um, so if they wanted to, they have the legislative approval to buy Bitcoin. If they wanted to, hmm. it's just it's it's a scary proposition to them right now. I think with uh, um, this show is going to come out after the conference. Yeah, but I think we're going to get nation. I, I have no inside information, but I think we're going to get nation two there. I've I've heard similar. You've yeah. heard you oh, so you've heard it. So I, I don't know who, but I've heard. Well, there's been a lot of hints that it's Honduras. Yeah, I've heard hints. Honduras and Haiti and a few of yeah, yeah. I think it's gonna a few H's. Well. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's going to be. Uh, yeah, we have some fun there. Okay, so listen, we do want to talk about CBDCs. Oh, the, sure. The antithesis of Bitcoin. Yes. The the worst money that could ever exist. Yeah. I know you, you're worried about this. I'm very worried about this. I think that, um, you know, some of the things that have come out of the United States where we're like toying with research projects into CBDCs and we're, we have politicians saying we have to compete with China. Um, I want... I hope people know what that means. And in my mind, what that means is complete and utter financial surveillance, like forever. Mm -hmm. um, it is the absolute antithesis of Bitcoin. It's the absolute antithesis of uh, the United States or Western you know, freedom as we know it. It's, um, it's the ultimate financial surveillance. And I think that um, anytime someone hears the word CBDC, they should just think, Kami gobbledygook. Like it is, it is the absolute um, end game for government surveillance over your life. And we've get, we're getting little brief pictures into this right now. Even and I know it's almost cliche at this point, even though it's only been what a couple weeks, months, you know, since the financial uh, censorship in Canada, right, for the truckers because they like to honk too much and kept people awake. That um, their lives were completely financially ruined. Uh, through um, a rather difficult measure of shutting down the bank accounts for all the leaders involved, getting every and single... And people who donated. And people who donated, yes. But that was actually a kind of a complicated nuclear bomb for the Canadians to pull off, right? It would be trivial in a CBDC world where the central government is... I, mean, I don't even think CBDCs are even going to do centralized blockchains. It's just a digital currency that is issued directly from the central bank. Um, hope, I mean, sorry, they, I think they would hope to do it directly to people where they have absolute um, visibility and, and control over the flow of funds. And right now, it's difficult for them to exert that type of control over people. Like Canada was a surprise. That's the first time we've seen it to that extent, right? Where... Like literally, like financial censorship is how you ruin someone's life at the end of the day. Well, this is where the US again needs to take the lead because you really want the Canadian government to be thinking, do we want to follow, follow the US lead 
or the Chinese lead with something like this. Because I think if you want to do a CBDC, if you want to compete with China, that's mm -hmm. why you're doing a CBDC, or you're basically going to have to be better at surveillance and you're going to have to be better that's at the control. implication yeah you have right? to be better at it if you want to compete with it you've got to be better at it look at the soft influence china's had over the world over the last decade oh right? sure because they're very good at surveillance and social credit scores and uh, and and authoritarianism so if you want to win that you've got to be better at that so you've got to be you've got to have a better cbdc you've got to be better at control and the us won't be it can't beat china at authoritarianism no because you have freedoms here. Supposedly. So to beat them, you've got to be better at the opposite. You've got to have a you've got to have a better idea, which is freedom money. Yeah. So that's that's the fucking answer. It's the same battle we've been having for 150 years around dictatorial control and communism and open market capitalism and Western freedoms, right? It's the same story. And when I hear, you know, when I hear we need to compete with China with CBDCs or European Union need, needs to look into this, I just think just replace CBDC with communist rule, right? Like that's the, I know it's not literally the same thing, yeah, yeah. but like that's the way people should be, you know, processing this in their brains. And I would just say, you know, again, another cliche is like, you know, people complaining about cancel culture and stuff like that. I think, I hate that it's already cliche because I think it's, it's real, right? And what I would ask people is, do you think over the next five, 10 years that, that's going to get better or worse. Well, I think yeah. we know. Yeah, and if it's going to be worse and the government has control to the level that a CBDC would allow them to have control, then you are ruined as an individual, completely ruined. And the only antidote to that is Bitcoin. Before we carry on with the interview, I do have a quick message from my show sponsors. This show is brought to you by BCB Group. Now, BCB Group provide online business banking for companies in the Bitcoin industry. And yes, of course, I am a BCB customer too now. Now, they heard about the difficulty I was having finding a new bank, and they understand Bitcoin. So when they reached out to me and said, Pete, you should move your account over to BCB Group, I was like, sure. Sounds absolutely perfect for me. And I could not be happier with the service they have provided me. Now, BCB clients include major exchanges, market makers, funds, and miners active in the UK and Europe, but they are now expanding globally. They also have this amazing network called Blink, which facilitates instant free payments between BCB clients for all supported currencies. Now, listen, I know some of you have also had trouble with your banking, and if you are looking for a banking provider who understands and supports Bitcoin companies rather than creating hurdles, then like me, you want to become a BCB customer. Now, if you want to find out, please head over to bcbgroup.com forward slash Peter, which is bcbgroup.com forward slash Peter. Next up, it is Ledger, the world's most popular hardware wallet. Now, listen, in Bitcoin, we have this saying, right? Not your keys, not your Bitcoin. So if you're a Bitcoin holder, it is your money and it's time for you to own it. And if you're not storing your Bitcoin on a hardware wallet, then you are trusting somebody else. I took control of my Bitcoin back in 2017 when I bought my first Ledger Nano S, and I'm still using that same device today. Ledger is the smartest and easiest way for you to take control of your Bitcoin. Now, if you would like to find out more or purchase a hardware wallet from Ledger, then please head over to ledger.com, which is L-E-D-G-E-R.com. Next up, it is BlockFi. Now, BlockFi bridges the world of traditional finance and Bitcoin, empowering you for this future financial world. 
And for people in the US who own or are interested in owning Bitcoin or stacking more sats, then the BlockFi Rewards credit card provides the easiest way for you to earn Bitcoin. There are no fees to use this card, no annual fee, and no foreign transaction fees. And you can get 3.5% back in Bitcoin on all purchases in your first three months and then 1.5% back forever after. And also, for every dollar you spend over 50000 annually, you can get 2% back in Bitcoin. Now, if you want to stack stats with BlockFi, then please head over to BlockFi.com for more information and to find out the terms and conditions. This is BlockFi.com, which is B-L-O-C-K-F-I.com. Also, today we have Casa. Whether you've just bought your first SaaS or you're a Bitcoin pro, you need to protect your investment. And the only person who should be in charge of your Bitcoin and your financial freedom is you. And securing your Bitcoin does not have to be difficult because Casa makes it so easy. Getting started is super simple. You just download the app, create an account, and enjoy a 30-day free trial. And if you need some assistance, it is just a click or phone call away. Casa has best-in-class customer support and free online resources to support you. There is no better time to upgrade your Bitcoin security and get total peace of mind. You can find out more at keys.casa, which is K-E-Y-S dot C-A-S-A. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you. And, and one of the challenges I've found with it is communicating this to normies, especially my side of the pond. Yeah. It's a lot harder. I'll give you a great example. I, I, my Facebook now is really advertising <laughs> for the podcast, right? Yeah. Here's a show. A bit about the football, but I did start trying to share ideas from guests who come oh, on the show. Oh no, are you effort posting on Facebook now? Just low effort. Okay. Just okay. low effort. Just to try and get people to round to the idea. I want to convert as many people to Bitcoin sure, as possible. Course. And if anyone went back through my timeline, they would have seen I was pretty much sharing the the, the general narrative with regards to inflation is coming, consider Bitcoin. Mm -hmm. And a lot of people would say, oh, okay. Pete was right. Pete wasn't right. The community was right. I shared it, but but they would share that. I put out a thing about CBDCs, saying mm -hmm. you want to be very careful about these. This is what it is. This is how they work. This is what it means for the government. My friend's mum blocked me. She, but she, I can't remember what she put. She put something like, oh, "I can't deal with any more of your conspiratorial nonsense," and then blocked me. Trying to, I think a lot of people in the UK can be easily sold a CBDC. I think so too. It scares the shit out of yeah, me. Yeah, but really easily. Oh, here's the benefits. Here's Britcoin, as mm -hmm. uh, Richie Sunak said. Here's Britcoin. Yeah, it's going to be centrally controlled. We can manage interest rates. Like, we can issue um, benefits centrally. This is going to be great. And any of the people I know who are against it right now, the people that are based in the UK, mm -hmm. they are considered nutters. Yeah. So for me, it's not whether we're right or wrong, it's like, how do we communicate this? How do we, right? Like, how do you, you know... Okay, I'm not trying to shit on people in the UK. No, 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 you can, by, yeah. by the way. But, but like, if, uh, if you don't understand the value of why individuals should own guns and why you should be skeptical of people who want to take guns away from you, right, who also happen to have guns themselves, right, um, I think it's a similar line of logic to wondering why you would have anything to hide, you know, uh, in your financial life, right? Or like why you wouldn't want someone at a push of a button to be able to financially say, well, you can't 
spend your money anymore, or you can only spend it in this way in, at, at these institutions, right? It's a similar line of logic of, of paranoia that an individual would have to just say like, well, why would I cede that control over to you in the first place? That's never, as a line of reasoning, I get it. It's yeah. never going to work in the UK. We have no gun culture. We have we have no recent history of gun culture sure. in the last just stabby centuries culture. Yeah, but that's yeah. really just gang culture. Yeah, that's yeah. just uh, gangs killing each other. Um, we just don't have that culture. So, in what way you would in your hometown do people exert their individual liberties? Like, like what would what would matter to them? Like private property, uh, obviously not guns. Mm -hmm. uh, is it voting rights? Is it you know like what would what would they hold sacred that they have that the state can't take away from them? It's almost like we don't really have a culture of thinking about that. Really? Yeah, we're 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 a lot more. I would I think the things that are more sacred. Strangely enough, Danny, correct me if you if 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 you think I'm wrong here. We're sacred about. Uh, the more socialist elements of society. Okay. The 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 NHS is sacred in the UK. Not with everyone, and and certainly, I would imagine if it you could measure how popular it was, it has waned. Sure, it has dropped because medicine advances so much. Mm -hmm. It's become more and more expensive. It seems like a black hole of money that goes in, and the service has dropped. Wait times for ambulances longer. Wait time for treatment is longer. It is an issue. Right? I did notice that you know I've been doing remote hiring since about 2012. My previous company, Stack Overflow, about half of our company was overseas. And in places with socialized medicine, UK, France, when we would hire people there, one of the main things they wanted was private insurance, health insurance, uh, outside of their their government. Because they've solution. never yeah. once ex experienced the situation where they can't phone up and get an ambulance or go to a doctor and get seen. Mm -hmm. They've never experienced that. And to come to a country where you might not have that is is an issue. Oh, no. I was saying the opposite. Oh. What, we had a lot of leverage with people in the UK and the, in France because when we would make them offers, we could get them private insurance. And they valued that way higher than any wage increases. Oh, well, it, it, which is locally. very interesting. Yeah, yeah. yeah. No, sorry, I understand yeah. that. I thought you meant when they were coming here. Oh, no, no, no. Yeah, no, yeah. no. But, but the thing is, about, this is what makes me laugh about private insurance, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, either answer this generally or personally, but like, what is what is private, what's private health care? What's, what's the cost of insurance here? I have no idea. <laughs> like, but my assumption for most people. a few thousand people, dollars a month. It's expensive. Okay, a few yeah. thousand dollars a month, and then you've got your... Um, Obamacare stuff. No, no, it's no. Like, you've got the uh, deductible as well, yep. right? Okay, I have private insurance for me and my two kids in the UK. We have the highest level of cover. We have seen next day cancer cover. Yeah. Right? It's brilliant. It's the best you can get. How much does it cost? I think it's about a, somewhere between 150 and 180 pound a month. Okay. Uh, I am still paying for the NHS. Mm -hmm. Okay. And I know the NHS subsidized part of it. I'm pretty sure they do. But at the same time, that's not a lot of money. And I've used it. My, I used it for my back operation. Mm -hmm. I would have had to wait God knows how long. I was seen within three days. I had my operation within three days of requesting it. You know, went into a private hospital and had yeah. it done. Uh, doctors have a wait. You, I can go to a private medical center in Bedford. If Bedford High Street has it, most places has it, I can get a doctor's appointment. It's 50 pounds. 
But this is only because you're on private insurance, right? No, 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 no. That is just, I can just, anyone can walk into that place and pay 50 pounds for an appointment. My point being is people in the UK, they have private options that are very, very cheap. Yeah. Yes, it's probably subsidized, right? Yeah. By the NHS. But at the same time, they have that option. Yep. Um, But I would say, when you say what do people hold sacred, I think we, we hold that we are, I think we hold, this, people aren't going to like this here in mm-hmm. America. We hold collectivist things as sacred. True. We hold the NHS as sacred. What do you think on that? I mean, yeah, the NHS definitely is. Um, I mean, when you talk about private property, I think that is as well. Like, I think people value that. I also think maybe it's not totally fair to say that people in the UK don't think critically like they do here. Because I, I, that's not my I, did, I didn't say that, did I? But uh, Yeah, a little bit. Well, like you said that like people aren't, thinking critically about like a CBDC. But I mean, I know from my experience, like I even had my mum text me being like, this sounds scary, what is it? Okay, interesting. I just haven't seen it myself. The, the one instance is of somebody. Yeah. Yeah, and that's obviously not a statistically significant number. Sure. But I've the people I've seen talking about it on Twitter, British people, are the same people who fit in well here in Texas, right? Yeah. There's that people. Like, yeah, the Bavarians the, in Germany. Like, <laughs> yeah, they, the Bavarians they get it. Yeah. Um, but I just think, you know, it's, you, you're... I'm actually stumped when you say, what do we hold sacred? Because we don't have that history of you know, freedom and mm-hmm. liberty like you have here in Texas. So it's not something we hold sacred because sure. we've never really had it. Yeah. You know? I feel like, I mean, certainly had some of it, like feudal periods, you know, uh, where, you know, very weak central government. Like, what do we know about the kings and queens of England? It's like, We yeah. hold the queen sacred. But I mean, like, but you know, when they actually had real power, what I at least know about it is that it was a really weak form of central government where if they stepped out of line, like, what do we know about them? They all get murdered. <laughs> like, they all get murdered. Uh, or people don't help them out. They don't, you know, you know, come to arms when, they, when they're needed. But like, you know, when I think about this, like, I think it's very easy for people to get duped into thinking that, um, it's 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 the exact same affinity scam with uh, with altcoins where they try to you know cuddle up to Bitcoin and say oh we're just like that you know we're just like Bitcoin we're just a little bit different you know over here but we're basically the same and and you know a lot of people fall for that and, you know VCs all over the United States fall for that every single day um, is that when people talk about CBDCs they're going to talk about it in Bitcoin terms as a digital currency as a they're not going to say decentralized, um, but they are going to try to compare it to Bitcoin and and get the reputation that Bitcoin has as being innovative and groundbreaking and apply it to themselves and say, but we just tweaked a few things. When in reality, they tweaked everything, right? And uh, where everything means that there's no such thing as censorship resistance. In fact, the whole point of it is censorship, right? It's, it, is, it couldn't be more opposite than the pitch that Bitcoin makes. Yet it's going to be pitched to the public as Bitcoin was this great invention, but it has these flaws and we fix them. When really they've just taken the entire value proposition away. Um, I don't know if that's a too simplistic way to put no, it. No, I completely agree with you. Yeah. And uh, I worry because I get calls from hedge fund managers who are like, oh, well, I heard that you know the US is working on a Bitcoin of their own. And it's like, these are smart people. And... Um, and I find it to be very worrying that um, uh, through 
techno babble and false comparisons that people could be lulled into what I would see as the greatest disaster for liberty and personal freedom that certainly of my lifetime, uh, anything I can think of. Do you think it's technically doable? Sure. Because one of the things I, I also worry about it is that one of the... As long as they use SQL databases, right? Like, it'll be fast. <laughs> yeah. You don't think they're going to do a blockchain? I don't think they can. It's not going to yeah. be on Solana. <laughs> no. I mean, it could be on Solana. I guess that's centralized enough for them. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, look, it's, it's, it does. Like, I, I share every one of your fears. It scares mm -hmm. the shit out of me. It's communicating this in a way that sounds intelligent. Like, I'm going to talk about something now that, because it, it pisses me off. I haven't, I haven't spoken about this publicly yet. We had the opportunity, I had the opportunity to write for the Financial Times. Oh. I've had two opportunities recently. One was with The Spectator and one with The Financial Times. You are with me talking about this? Yeah, I think you should. Fuck it. Um, the Spectator wrote an, a very anti-Bitcoin article. I tweeted at the guy. I said, I think you're wrong. Yada, mm -hmm. yada. Happy to, I can't remember what I said. Happy to help you. And he got in touch. He said, do you want to write something? And we did. Send it to him. He had some edits. Yeah. And uh, I was annoyed about edits because I was like, this is, a, this is an op-ed. And I spoke to Alex Gladstein. He said, no, you just have to accept with some of the major publications, you can have some edits. Yeah. But like, as long as you're okay with the article, then just go with it because you get to communicate and they know their audience. And the spectator amends were very minor. It was fine. It went out. It was a great article. Uh, and then we had the opportunity with the Financial Times. I appeared on one of their podcasts to talk about Bitcoin. Apparently, it was one of their most popular podcast ever because that happens people want to hear sure. about bitcoin and so then came up the opportunity to to write for them that might be a column yeah so we'd have like a, i don't know if it's going to be monthly or weekly but a column to talk about bitcoin uh we did version one got some edits did version two got some edits by the time we got to version four it was basically bullshit it's just you theirs know? and it yeah. wasn't just like oh can we edit it it was like wholesale changes and in the end, it's like, this isn't, this is, I don't even fucking believe this anymore. This is so watered down. This isn't what Bitcoin's about. So anyway, I went back to the guy and said, look, I don't want to do this. This is bullshit. Like, and he said, I'll come back with another version. How long did we spend on it? What are they a trying, month at least. A month. What, what's their goal? What are they trying to, to get you to not say? Uh, hmm, that's a good question because this was months ago. I just gave up. Mm -hmm. I was like, fuck it. I don't, I don't even want. Yeah. The column in the Financial Times. This is bullshit. I'm going to release the original on a Substack or something. Yeah, yeah. Um, it just took all the edge out of it. Yeah, it took all the edge. Yeah. Like all the, you know, this is what's happening in Salvador. This is what it means. You know, this is what Bitcoin offers you. And it just became like this watered down. And I think they were worrying about a combination of readers and their boss. Yeah. But in doing that, it wasn't an honest article about Bitcoin. Yeah. It was just, it would have, it's, Compared to the other stuff about Bitcoin out there, it would have been good, but it was the wrong article. And I was like, I don't, I wouldn't say these things, mm -hmm. so I'm not having it out there. So yeah, basically, I wrote to the guy, and he said, "Do another version." I was like, I just, just can't be bothered. Yeah, it's like we've spent a month on one article. You know, we've done four or five versions, and I don't like it. So yeah, fuck it. Sorry, Financial Times, but fuck off. So why why do Europeans? I mean, I'm. Coming across as very ignorant in this podcast so far about the mentality of you know the typical UK you know uh, citizen or European citizen, but like why do they like Bitcoin right now? So let's let's hash this out. Like we're trying to try, they trying made, figure out how no, to because they made money on it. I mean, really? there will be people like you who like it for the reasons you like it. Sure, 
but it's a very small number. Most people will like it because they make... Danny, please correct me if you ever disagree because you're British as well, but I think... <laughs> and maybe it's a th- similar I, thing in Australia anyway. But I think it's probably similar in America, uh, on the whole, that most people at least start for the gains. Like, I don't think most people in America are in it for the freedom. But there's a lot more foundational freedom people here. 100%, yeah. I don't think we have that foundational freedom thing. But I think that we changes have. over time. Like, that's something that Bitcoin changes in the people that get into Bitcoin. I, I, I like the motivation of people who want to make money. Mm. I think that's a perfectly reasonable reason to like Bitcoin is that number goes up, right? Like yeah. we, we, we found a joke about it for years now, but th- that's a good reason to want to be in Bitcoin. So let's lean into that, right? Which is, you know, I might be worried about, you know, the, the infringements on, you know, personal freedoms. Like, you know, in the United States, the worry would be that they don't have to ban guns in the United States anymore with the CBDC. They just have to make it, impossible for you to transfer money to gun manufacturers and so they they don't have to abolish the second amendment they don't have to amend the constitution they don't have to take anything away they just have to make it impossible for you to transact right so that's what i'm afraid of but it's the same logic then if you want to hold on to your wealth right and you have the exact same ability to inflate the currency as much as you want, like that's something that a European would, who wants to make money and is motivated by, you know, a profit mentality or a savings mentality would realize in a CBDC is that the games that central bankers play right now around trying to control the money supply in this futile effort to control the world, um, actually, you know, the tools that they have to do that become much more sophisticated and simple. And what we know about the currency wars that people have right now is that, you know, central banks are incentivized right now to debase their currency the fastest way possible, which is to print money because that way they can keep jobs in their, in their country. They can drive down labor prices. Like that is actually the goal of the central bank in the UK is they want to debase their currency faster than anyone else. And that could be a motivation um, and the CBDC makes this infinitely easier for them to do. It might not, you know, resonate with, uh, you know, your friends uh, that you never talk to Bitcoin about. But, um, uh, you know, my side of it, but that side of it should work. Well, it's becoming more obvious. L- listen, the, the 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 price to fill up your car in the moment in the UK is a lot. Everything's getting ex- really noticeably expensive. Yeah. Food is getting expensive. It's terrifying. Like. If we have enough people out there telling the reason why it's happening, rather than reading uh, in, in the press the bullshit about why it's happening, if we mm-hmm. can get that communicated across without sounding like some nutter, then you have a chance. And there are people listening. Yeah, you know, I have had in the last couple of months a handful more people get in touch and say, "I want, I want to learn a bit more about Bitcoin." Yeah, but it is small, but it's growing. Yeah, that's definitely growing. That side of it, I think. Yeah, yeah, and then from that. You might be able to elevate the conversation to freedom, to you know some of the control that government has that people don't realize they have. The expansion of government, the expansion of laws, how they finance wars, how they finance wars, how they finance incarceration. Yeah, and that, yeah. And that conversation in the UK is definitely happening more with like Russell Brand, yep. Majid. Like these people are like growing that conversation. They are. Majid's Majid's a tricky one because he's so focused on a, on a niche right now. He wasn't before this war, though. No, no, you're right. You're yeah. right. And what it is is, and pro- he's talked a lot about CBDCs. He does. Does he? Yeah, mm-hmm. he did. He talked about it on Rogan. Um, okay. W- I mean, oh yeah, that's right. That was a 
phenomenal episode. Yeah, yeah, I don't listen to many, but I listened to that. That was really good. That was really good. He, so, he actually understood it. Yeah, deeply. So we're hopefully going to be having him on soon as well. And, okay. And, and I want to. I, I don't want to get into the the war with him. I want to get into that yeah. side of things with him. We need more. Does of Russell that. Brand talk about this? Does yeah. Who would have guessed? He's he, like your most famous intellectual now. Out of the UK. <laughs> he he kind of gets into it from a different angle. Like he he talks about Bitcoin without ever saying the word Bitcoin. Yeah. But he he really he, he has really an gets it. Sense of what is valuable. Exactly. But, but he does talk about Bitcoin. But this is this is I can show you the perfect example of what we're facing with this. Okay. Search for Russell Brand in Google News. And tell me what you find. You know what I'm bringing up, I right? Exactly know, yeah. This is this is the th- the thing we face, and you face it here as well. But we mm-hmm. face it at a different level, if, especially if you got the Telegraph. Here we go. The Independent targets actor and comedian Russell Brown. Is Russell? Yeah. How did Russell Brand go from stand-up stardom to peddling YouTube conspiracies? Russell Brand, the new Joe Rogan, ah. and I'm the one he warned you about. Like he's they've just gone after him now. Yeah, yeah. they've gone after him. He's too popular. Yeah. Yeah, but but that's one of the difficulties. Like, my product is an American product. Yeah. My guests are mainly American. I come to America to make it. Mm-hmm. 55 to 60% of the listeners are American. But it's on our mind. Like, we don't have, like, I want a higher listener base in the UK. I want them to listen to this. And it's, I'm trying to walk a very careful path of communicating this to British people without being labeled a conspiracy theorist or a nutter. Mm-hmm. And I, I, that's not for personal protection. Yeah. It is to make sure you can land this message. To actually influence people. Yeah, to, to, yeah. to, 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 yeah, to influence people. And it's, it's a really, if I, if, if my show, and by the way, when I say this, I'm always, always me. Any opinion mm-hmm. I express, I genuinely believe it. Sure. And when I'm wrestling with it, I do. But if I was, holding a position similar to Marty Bent. Again, no criticism of Marty Bent. He was on the show recently. Mm-hmm. I consider him a friend. I love talking to him. But if I, my show was more like that, I'd have no chance of landing these messages. You yeah. wouldn't get anywhere. So but I'm, here it's celebrated. He gets to go on Tucker Carlson. Yeah. And, uh, you know, he's helped me with uh, U.S. politicians. Yeah. Yeah. And if but I didn't, it's not, that, that level of discourse is not respectable in the UK. We just don't have it. And, yeah. and, and, and that's, like I say, I'm not discrediting Martin. Of course. Like, I, I, it works here. I love talking to him and I love the challenge of the debate. I don't always agree with him, uh, but, but, but I respect where he's coming from. I'm, I'm walking a careful balance of trying to get these messages across without being labeled crazy conspiracy theorists, nutter. And it's really, really important because we need voices like Majid. Mm-hmm. We need, I don't want to say Lawrence Fox because I think he's an idiot, um, but we need these voices and we don't have a lot of them. Yeah. And usually they get pushed into this bucket of nutters and it's it's really hard. Like Russell Brand, like he's historically a moderate voice. He's historic, historically like a, 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 a progressive. I didn't even know. Yeah. I just knew him as an actor, I guess. Yeah, yeah. Comedian, but like now he's, just trying to get into these areas and help yeah. educate people, bang, all of the media. Come. And by the way, I think the Telegraph, aren't they, aren't they considered conservative newspaper? Yeah, they definitely are. But also, he, he, while this is all happening, their followers are growing. Like more people are listening, but sure. they are getting attacked from the media. I mean, I, I feel like we kind of export that to Europe right now. Like yeah. that 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 level of argument or that, that viewpoint uh, that, that now Russell Brand is taking you know, natively 
to the UK, we've been exporting that for well, a while. Well, he's been doing that for like a long time. We watched a video this morning. Like he's, um, he, I think his opinions change a lot, but he's been going after like government and mm -hmm. uh, for a long time. But he he used to go at a different angle, didn't he? Mm -hmm. you, he so he, he would go at more from thinking about the underclass, you know, the poor in society, mm -hmm. but not being served by the elites. Sure. Uh, but, but he would be somebody who, it was kind of more of an anti-capitalism thing now. Yeah. Then, and I, sorry, I, and I think he like possibly still has some of those. I mean, I, I can't speak for him, but I think he possibly still has some of those thoughts, but it, he's trending more away from centralization and to yeah. a sort of a break breakup of all these things. Well, actually, maybe it's that simple. If we're just brainstorming how to uh, influence uh, people in, in Europe at this point around CBDCs and the values of Bitcoin outside of just number go up. You know, I talked about guns here, but you know, what else, what do people in the UK buy that is popular that the that the government might have reason to take away, right? Is it is it you know, is the is the UK government worried about cow farts and uh is going to make it difficult for you to buy meat? Is it, you know, gasoline and ESG narratives like tea? Tea? Tea. Marmite. As long as no one goes after Greg's in the north, we'll be all right. Yeah, Greg's in the north with sausage rolls. <laughs> Oh yeah. man, this is tough. It's well, hard for me to put myself in that mindset. But 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 narrative is important. Sure. Like like you can fight narrative and lose, yeah. or you can accept narrative and try and navigate it. So for example, I don't. Th I think it's a hard fight to just fight ESG and say it's not. It's bullshit. It's communism. Like we need to fight and get rid of it. Or you can you can navigate it and use it against itself. Yeah. And I think there's a far effective. I think if you want Bitcoin to succeed and you think ESG is damaging for it, I think it's far more effective to go, actually, by the way, Bitcoin is the most ESG thing there is. Like it literally solves environmental, social, and governance. It solves them all. Oh man, are so we, are, are we going to start a fight here? No, no, but, okay, I, okay. but what I'm saying is, my point being is like, you don't always have to just like say, no, fight, no, fight. Sometimes you can say, well, hold on a second, let's, if if you care about ESG, well, let's let's objectively review Bitcoin under the lens of ESG, and and we'll play your arguments back at you. Yeah, and and I think you. Can I think there that. are several people that are very good. At, you know, Nick Carter's yep. particularly good at this. Uh, uh, Ross Stevens at Nidig has yep. has a, a couple or, or at least one really good uh, article on this. That more head at Pantera. It's different than what I would say, right? Um, that I I feel like if you're trying to bridge that that gap would be more persuasive. Yeah. Yeah, but but it's different people for different audiences, sure. right? You know, I I would never expect a Marty Bent to do that because oh, his audience not. is different, and he and and I'm glad he doesn't because he fights for his audience in his way. Yeah. Right. But Ross Stevens has an entirely different audience. Oh yeah. And he fights in his way. Dan Dan Moorhead has a entirely. I have. We have different audiences. If we spent more time, like actually observing why people are doing this, mm -hmm. rather than because we even have it here in Bitcoin, we have people trying to counsel people for not holding the right opinions. Of course, exactly. You know, and it's like, what the fuck are we doing here? Luckily, it doesn't matter in in Bitcoin's world. Like you know, you can peddle influence in in more centralized worlds and have more control over what the outcomes are. And in Bitcoin, it doesn't really matter at the end of the day, yeah. right? Like you can you can shame people. You can you can you know try to you know you know, whatever. It's like they will ultimately get, you know, the same benefit or punishment that they deserve by holding that opinion because, you know, if they don't 
want to hold their own keys and the, they're subject to an exchange hack, then you just learn the lesson that way. We all, we all had to also. There's no way to really control it uh, in the Bitcoin world. You don't get any benefit from it. Y- yes. Yes. I don't think at least. Yeah, but I, I mean, I, I come at it from a personal level, thinking about trying to navigate these things. And I think, let me put it a different way. We have a growing number of listeners yep. who are not libertarians. Sure. They are left, moderate, right European, which is still left mm-hmm. for, for you guys, but also people on the right who don't want to see the end of the state. We have this growing audience. Now, I think it's, I think it's much better to accept there's this wide range of opinions that people have and how do we bring them together around an idea? Mm-hmm. which is Bitcoin. I think Bitcoin is the thing that can bring together left, right, and moderates around a, an idea that benefits everyone. And I think it's counterproductive to Bitcoin to banish people from it or scare them away by making them think their their opinions don't matter or the views they hold are wrong. I don't think it matters as much as that, though. I mean, like, because what's the outcome at the end? Like, it doesn't matter what your views are on any of these things. If you have the wrong view as it pertains to Bitcoin, you only lose. It's yeah, the, the only the, option. You just lose. The, there's views with Bitcoin, but there's views in wider society. Sure. You know, and, and I don't think, I think we can scare people away. Like, we have Margaret okay. Pires on. She's, she's a lefty. I completely disagree with her political opinions. Okay. But she might convince a whole bunch of people who also lefties to consider Bitcoin and the benefits for it. And then you might get a, a lefty senator who, I'm saying lefty, it almost sounds pejoratively, yeah. pejorative, but I don't mean like that. Someone from the left who is also like a Ted Cruz from the left. Mm-hmm. Now imagine getting the two of them together, have a conversation, and they can agree on this. Wow, this is a great idea. Let's work together on this. Yeah. Like that's what I think we, we can do is – and and uh, what I don't like is this. I know from the outside, from talking to people, that we look like a sometimes can look like a bunch of crazy nutters. But actually, they're some of the most intelligent people I've ever met who've got the best opinions on on how society should be structured, how we could work together. Yeah, I mean, when I, <sighs> this is always tough for me because you know I don't want to be divisive. You know, I don't want to. You know, I do view Bitcoin as apolitical, right? Um, where you know, as a decentralized money and uh, with decentralized governance, it doesn't have any room for political theory. I mean, there's not nothing about politics in the white paper, right? And it doesn't have any room for that. However, it I, I do think it's going to be tough. It, like the the more left socialist countries and mindsets, like I I care about people, and I think that if we cannot bridge that gap with them, that they will just lose. Like that, it will be a very, very hard transition for them, and I think that they are the most vulnerable to hearing the, you know, the CBDC pitches and all this type of thing uh, coming from you know the EU and the US right now as they explore their options, and you know, I I, I don't see any other outcome for those people other than becoming miserably poor. So that for me, they're the ones I want to work on the most. Yeah. I do. I want to work on, like, uh, my brother's a great example. He'll hear this. He he works on the show now. Um, mm-hmm. One of the smartest people I've ever met. Um, 
he uh, he supports me and supports the team in preparing for shows and supports some ideas. But my brother, my brother is historically very left and he's European left. So he's yeah. ultra left, not like woke bullshit, just like, yeah. like a labor. He voted labor. Okay. He doesn't mind me selling this. Since he's come into Bitcoin, he has shifted. Sure. But he came into Bitcoin. He came to support me with work and help me with it because he's a smart guy. He read the white paper and he had to question and challenge a lot of things. But he's, this, I mean, have you seen the shift in him? Yeah, I mean, I obviously didn't know him very well at all before, but yeah, I've definitely seen a shift. There's been a big shift in him. It's a big slap of reality. Yeah. Yeah. But, but I don't think a slap of reality comes from a slap. Yeah. I don't, unless it's like, uh, like, a complete financial collapse and maybe you get wrecked and you go yeah, through it. Unless but, gas prices go up to $10 in the United States. You know, that's a slap of reality you, for you, you. You, As a parent, you learn very quickly, shouting is not effective. Sure. You, you know, you lead by example. You spend time. You teach lessons. That's mm-hmm. the effective way. Shouting and yelling at people that you're some libtard moron isn't going to convince them that Bitcoin is a thing. They're actually, in some ways, it might push them away because like, oh, that's, that's fucking crazy rights. But actually, if you spend a bit of time saying, hey, listen, I, w- I want to hear your view of the world. I, I want to hear about your issues. And I want to show you how maybe Bitcoin can help you solve some of the problems that you see in the world. I think that's far more effective. So oh, that sounds very Mormon. Door to door. I mean, that particular pitch. I, I think want to show very- you how yeah. <laughs> Bitcoin can help you. Yeah. yeah. No, but Bing like, Hong. how do you make people value? How do you make people value like their own autonomy, right? Maybe, look, carrot and stick. Some people's carrot, some people's stick. But, sure. But, but for every person who, who wants to, f- who, who wants, like who has the issues with the left and says, fuck them, but I, like I'm the guy who wants to go and talk to them. I want to bring them in. I want to help them to understand it because I think we get to where we want to be faster by working collaboratively. Yeah. Look how divided society is right now. Mm-hmm. You just have to go on Twitter to see it. You just have to watch the news to see it. You're not on Twitter anymore, right? I am not on Twitter. Well, uh, is this fake? Did you fake quit? N- no, I semi quit in that what I realized is, and I should have done this a long time ago, is the most effective thing I can do for Bitcoin is make the best show I can and get it out there yeah. to as many people as possible. If I go on Twitter, even if I'm nuanced, if I create enemies, mm-hmm. that doesn't help. That doesn't happen. I'm going to give you some shit on this. Come on, but let me get to that. Okay. Uh, I think Twitter as a broadcast, and when I say broadcast news or marketing, it works well. Sure. I, I, so if I've got an event that's news, I can release that on Twitter. People know about it, it might come. If, I, um, if I've got a show I'm going to release, I'll retweet it, mm-hmm. and that's cool. Uh, I, don't, I only see me trying to have engage in conversations as now a net negative for that. Because you don't convince anyone on yeah. Twitter. You may convince the old person, but the and, and, and the reward mechanism is is set up to uh, gamify hate and anger, echo chambers and bias. I think the perfect example of this has been watching t- uh, uh, Tim Paul. Okay, to just watch him descend into somebody completely completely captured by his audience and just generally become a complete. Sorry, but we're not friends, so it doesn't matter. I think he's just a fucking moron now. I don't know much about him. I mean, I've seen but I used to some of love his podcast hearing, appearances. Yeah. I used to love hearing some his like opinions on things. I didn't always agree with him. And sometimes when I've watched his show, there's things he said I think are smart. Now I think he's just completely captured. Mm-hmm. And 
and I've seen that happen to so many people on Twitter. You 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 are rewarded. You are rewarded for following a bias or a group thing. You are not rewarded for nuance. Sure, but I'm giving you some shit on this. Yeah, please do. I mean, you pick fights. I mean, you intentionally go out there and, and pick some fights, right? I mean, sometimes tongue-in-cheek and you get an outsized response that is not justified. But, like, you're poking the bear. Depends. Like, there's British humor where I say, make a joke about yeah. Texas, and I say... The barbecue sucks. The barbecue yeah. sucks. Yeah. That's a joke. Yeah. Uh, I don't... I don't think I've gone out intentionally picking fights. I used to. Yeah. Like in the early days. Sure. When I was a very small audience. I actually don't... That's a good way to get an audience. D- Danny will always be, be in the conversation. D- Danny, Danny is like my conscience, right? This is why he's now in the show. <laughs> this is why he has a microphone. Yep. Uh, Danny is my conscience. And I, I will do most of the things Danny say or listen to everything he says. I, I'm really... Am I, would you say I was trying to be careful about my tweets over the last year or two? Yes or no? Yeah, yeah, definitely. I mean, I, I agree that you sometimes respond to things. I think you respond to things with nuance, but you pick what you respond to sometimes. Now, now one of the reasons I also quit is it turns me into a prick. Yeah. And I don't want to be that prick. Yeah, I guess, I guess you're, what you just described in terms of how you want to use Twitter in the future as a broadcasting mechanism, as you know, marketing the podcast, all that. It's basically the, the way I've used it forever, <laughs> right? It, but like, I don't have discussions on Twitter. But I, it's but, a bad place to have discussions. Well, discussions, or even just just countering an opinion. Yeah, I mean, it's not. How do you think I poke the bear? What kind? Give me an example. I don't. I can't think exactly. I mean, what's, you know, what's I was thinking about our dinner the other, you know, the other week and everything. And like, I get out of dinner and I look at your Twitter feed, and it's just like, well, you know, the barbecue sucks, and like, you know, the blah blah blah, and like, you're you're trying to get a rise out of people, right? No, no look, but but there's a difference between like fun and banter. Like, people have to understand the joke. You need a sense of humor. Like, like when I said, uh, "Real men don't need guns." Yeah, like it's a joke. Yeah, 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 yeah. Come on, these, sure, these sure. things are a joke. I don't care about that. I don't get. I don't mind getting shit for that. Okay. What I, What I mind getting shit for is like, like when I did a very nuanced reply to Safedine's view on climate change, researched and nuanced. Said fuck you, fuck this, and I was just like, see, but I liked it. So not from him, but from other people saying fuck you because I actually liked his Twitter thread after that of ninety seven percent of uh, of uh, priests agreed that you should uh, uh, sacrifice your child. Like, what do you know? Are you a priest? Do you know whether you should sacrifice your child or not? Like, I like that. And that that, that seemed like a good retort to what you were doing. Nah, I, I didn't buy it. Um, <laughs> I didn't, but like, like in the end also, like first and foremost, it makes me act like a prick. Yeah. And I don't want to be that guy. Like, I want to be the ha- this guy. I think of it as like a hype machine. I like the echo chamber nature of Twitter, actually. I love it. I hate it. I think it's great. Like a, a hype machine for what you're working on or what you're trying to, the message you're trying to get out there. Like having a nuanced conversation on Twitter. Oh, I, I've yeah, just, sorry, that, yeah, yeah. I've just never even attempted to do that. Like it, it seems like a total lose, losing battle. But like I think it's a great way to get the message out. Well, and I like the way we feed off of each other there. No, I, it can be very positive. Let's not say a nuanced conversation. There's quite a big list of shared opinions within mm-hmm. the cohort I exist in. Sure. And there are other people who disagree with those opinions and they don't have a voice. And I like to disagree if I, f- if I do disagree and be public about it and say I disagree so those people know there's somebody batting for them. My emails, yeah. check my emails. You go in, I'll show you after this. I'll show you some of the emails I get. 
full of people who are saying, thank yeah. you for this, I agree with you. They don't go and do it on Twitter because they get memed, shouted at, abused, yada, yada. Yeah, I mean, so, and I'm not famous on Twitter. So, like, yeah. you know, therefore, I don't really see much of this stuff. But, but first and foremost, what is best for Bitcoin? It is not alienating people. So, therefore... Why waste my time on that? What, like, it, I don't know. I think it has. I think f- for that purpose, it failed. I may come back. Yeah, but right now, I'm kind of enjoying not being on it. Yeah, and Twitter, I take Twitter breaks pretty frequently. Yeah, yeah. Well, this first one, and also just the, the like the abuse is relentless. And like everyone is in developer thick skin. It's not real life. When you get told tens of thousands of times a year, you're fat, you're shit, you're yeah. useless. Glad your mum's dead, and like. Yeah, that's fucked up. And, like, and then it's like, I don't fucking need this. Yeah. So. No, I mean, and again, you know, I've just never, yeah. I, I, do, I don't get get that type of hate. But but but, but I, I fully admit I'm a hypocrite. The thing, my criticisms of Twitter, I am a hypocrite. I'm I not, like you on Twitter. But I'm, but I'm not going out there saying that this is a problem. I'm, I'm like, I'm a fucking hypocrite. Yeah. Uh, and I'd like to come back, but I just, you know, we're busy. We're busy doing this. And sure. I just don't need it right now. There's one thing I really agree with you with, which is like I don't believe in uh, intersectionality, right? Where holding one belief must mean you have these other seven beliefs, right? And yeah. you can get down the line. You can say, oh, you have this belief? Great, we're friends. You have this belief? Great, we're friends. You have this belief? And you go down six six levels and we're all good. But you get this one wrong and you're a, a, a fucking piece of shit cuck, yeah. you know, like or whatever it is you get. And um, it's why I don't like a lot of the, uh, the you know, it's why I like the echo chamber around Bitcoin when all we're talking about is Bitcoin. I know it can get boring. I've been doing it for 10 years now. Fuck it. 10 years where 90% of my public discourse has been related to Bitcoin. I don't really like mixing it up with other things. I talk about, you know, financial censorship because I think it's very, very related to Bitcoin specifically. I don't actually like having the discussions about ESG and all of this outside of what it means for Bitcoin's mining, right? Um, so I, I, I kind of reject that nature of it, like the intersectional beliefs, you know, like, you know, we joke about, you know, carnivorism and stuff like that. And some people really are, and that's fine. But it's not like a tenant of Bitcoin. It doesn't actually matter to be in the club of Bitcoin or to value Bitcoin or anything like that. It ma- Do you know who it matters to? Who? It matters to the, 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 the newer, lower level people who are trying to establish status. Okay. Yeah, I can see that. Because or fitting into a particular, yeah. Yeah, like I don't fit in most of the people on every issue here in Texas. I'm clearly very different. You, me, Parker, sure. My, we can all go out for dinner. And but we we're get all off. friends, yeah, yeah. right? Yeah. But what I'm saying is, there are people who are trying to establish status, mm-hmm. and to establish establish status, there's a fixed set of beliefs, and anyone steps out outside of that, they get harassed, and therefore. There's just like this group thing that happens, and it's a it, and, and it's a growing like organism of people. Yeah, you know, there's there's thousands of them because I've blocked them all with the fucking yeah. ideas, but like that happens, and it's that I support the latest thing, I'm against the latest thing. Which, by the way, yeah, when that I support the latest thing came out, it was like, oh shit, I'm gonna get basket that put into that basket, and then it was like I oppose the latest thing came out. That was actually brilliant because it actually said to two sets of people there is an issue here. Mm-hmm. Whereas, like, like groupthink is bad. Let's find some new ones. Sure. I don't know if it happened. I've just become a single issue person. <laughs> like, if it's good for Bitcoin, I like it, no matter what. You know, um, and you know, I think about you know 
Right. It's so complex right now. What's going on in Russia, Ukraine, what just yeah. happened in Canada. But we just got the best advertisement for Bitcoin, I think, since Cyprus in 2013. When Cyprus yeah. uh, started seizing uh, any funds over $10,000 in, people, in people's bank. That was a big moment for me in, in like the Bitcoin story. It was like, oh my gosh, like we, we actually need this for real. And um, and we're getting that advertisement like right now. I, know, I don't dude. care about any of this other stuff. Every major story has a Bitcoin angle. Yeah. Yeah, I guess now I'm kind of going against my intersectional, like everything seems to be related to Bitcoin at this point. Yeah, but that's good. No, but no, no, contradicting but, myself. No, no, yeah. I, don't, I don't think you are. I don't think you are. Yeah. I, I, I think what you're recognizing is that the, the fracture in a society, the collapsing of uh, fiat uh, yeah. systems is an advert for Bitcoin. It is. But that that's fine and that's good. Yeah. And, and I'm, I'm completely with you on that. And in, in some ways it's kind of like, like big regrets is trying to intersect into these wider issues that yeah. have got nothing to do with Bitcoin. Yeah. Single issue. I mean, we talk about this a lot, like with uh, CJ Wilson and guys yeah. that are doing the, the, uh, shoot, I, I don't know the name of the pack. Uh, they're doing, know. you know, a yeah. political pack. With um, Amanda. Yeah. All they care about is Bitcoin. doesn't matter if you're a Republican, Democrat, anything else. You say good things about Bitcoin, you get money from us. I think that's brilliant. Yeah. I love it. Right? Like, we only care about one thing. What's your view on abortion? Don't care. What's your view on, you know, Second Amendment? Don't care. Bitcoin. That's it. I think that's a good place to be right now. So what's the end game with this then? What's the end game? Yeah. <laughs> Stuff Congress with pro-Bitcoin um, uh, members from all over the United States, California, Texas. No, that's not the end game. That's a, that's a, that's a strategy. Oh, yeah. Sorry. What's the end game? What's the end game yeah. is, um, honestly, to do less harm right, is like, Bitcoin doesn't actually need politicians to, to make it succeed. It will succeed on its own merits. What it does, what would be helpful is to not have people actively attacking it and, and elongating the inevitable, you know, you know uh, the inevitable collapse of their own currencies, but also rise of Bitcoin as a, as a, a you know, global reserve currency. Uh, like if it's, if it is unimpeded by you know the types of politicians that are are there right now and we're single issue voters then it just might happen in my lifetime then instead of not in my lifetime i'd rather it happen in my lifetime well i think that's a great place to finish huh? um unless there's anything else you wanted to talk about i don't know i can't, I can't remember what we said here this just flew by yeah i usually uh we i usually look at danny as like to get a little nod on the time. Yeah. Time to go? Yeah. Uh, no, 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 to get a nod on the time. And usually I get a thing about an hour, get like a one. Ah, okay. Was it one thirty? One thirty. We just breeze one thirty. And one thirty is like our goal time. So we oh, just like no. get it. We can go longer. But... What have I said? Do you, think, do you think you need to end with a game of rock, paper, scissors? <gasps> oh. We could tell that real fast. Yeah, go on. Tell, and I, tell and the story. No, I'm not. I, I'm, I've retired. <laughs> you can tell the story. Yeah. I retired. No, I mean uh, Peter, you know, will, will not allow me to, uh, you know, double or nothing my uh, my bet here. But I, my greatest athletic achievement in my life is I am. This was a sanctioned tournament, 2008 Wyoming. I became the rock paper scissors state champion. And it's my favorite. I, this is my favorite Bitcoin story. There yeah. is. Yeah, I was trying to impress my my now wife's friends. You know, da early days dating. They got me hammered at a bar. And uh, there happened to be the tournament, you know, going the tournament and make it sound so serious. There was a tournament in a bar where if you won, you would go to Las Vegas and play for the national. And uh, I won it. And then 
I signed up to go to Vegas and they're like, okay, we'll just buy your flight and book this hotel. I had no money. Then I found out they, they televised on ESPN. I could have been rock, paper, scissors famous. <laughs> now everyone I tell that story to now wants to challenge me. And so you did, I think the first night we met Yeah, and you beat me. I did. And then <laughs> right I, re- away. then I retired. I we, we tried and you beat me. Yeah. 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 No, I retired. Uh, I've uh, I've only had one uh, uh, serious professional game of rock paper scissors against uh, state champion, and I won, and I re- effectively retired, and never will I play again. Yeah, that's a great story. Actually, I'll say one serious thing to end. Go on. One serious thing is we're talking about CBDCs, we're talking about Bitcoin, and I know on this podcast in particular, you've gone through a transformation yourself of someone who used to say. Still holding your own keys is too hard, and then you did it with Casa. Like you know, it's. Hold on. I'm going to tell you. Can I tell you a story first? Yes. Okay. I used to say things that weren't true <laughs> to help drive a conversation forward. Sure. Okay. Some things were true, or some things I refused to do because yeah. I, 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 because You've I don't know what an ex pub is this whole time. No, I know what it is, but like I, I don't know. really know what it is. I know. I know. And I don't really want to. You don't really need to. I don't really need to. Yeah. And that's where we need to be. But when I said I'd never run a node, I haven't. Yeah. And I still don't really use a node. I'm going to get more shit for this, but I, I don't. I have it there. I have it set up. I just, I don't really engage with that because mm-hmm. I don't, I don't see, I see the future world of Bitcoin as one where lots of this stuff's automated for you. Sure. Now, that doesn't mean I don't think nodes are important. Mm-hmm. And I, don't, I think everyone should look at it if they want to. Yeah. But there's a reason why something like 0.001% of people run a node. Yeah. So sometimes I say things to provoke the conversation because I think the conversation is important. Mm-hmm. And sometimes I do. I ask questions where I know the answer, like yeah, I, I know I'm, you're a smart guy. I'm and making I know you know a product here yes. for the listeners. So, uh, but that going on a journey, it's a it's a constant. I'm still on it. Sure. I'm like I'm. I regret things I did a week ago or said a week ago and two weeks ago. You just always try and improve. Yeah. And, and I wasn't trying to be antagonistic. No, no, I just comment. no, no. Yeah. I just wanted to like let people know because sometimes they're like, <laughs> "Oh, he's a fucking moron. He doesn't know what an expert is." Like, yeah. Yes, I do, but like sometimes it's helpful for the newer listeners to come in, or sometimes it's help helpful to remind people. There's we're in this rabbit hole. There's still people who are just at the entrance to it, and we can't act like they should know everything from day one. Sure, and I agree with that. And you know. You know, what I wanted to say is that like, you know, it is a process, right? It, no, it's a, it's, a, it's a process, right? Yeah. But I would say right at the beginning of that process, you know, if we're talking about CBDCs, we're talking about Canada and financial censorship is that there is one thing that rises above all the others, more than running a node, more than any of the other things, which is hold your own keys. That's a great ending. That's it. All right, man. Well, listen, do you want to tell people where to go and follow you? Oh, yes. Uh, yeah, so you can go to unchained.com. So uh, I didn't even say I, I work at Unchained Capital. Um, we help people hold their own keys. Um, and we have uh, integrated uh, financial services along with that. So unchained.com. And you can follow me on uh, Twitter at Will Cole. Well, listen, thanks for coming on. Um, it's been great to get to know you. I really appreciate your friendship as well as you know somebody's now become part of the show i've yeah. enjoyed the debate but um and thank you for always making me feel welcome in the free state of texas anytime man no brother thanks all right thanks for listening to what bitcoin did if you want to get in touch the best thing you can do is head over to my telegram channel or you can hit me up on my email which is hello at what bitcoin did.com 